0: Ah, wasn't it good having the footy back on the weekend, Fantasy Coaches? With our teams locked in and a gleam in the eye, we eagerly awaited the Friday full lockout and let our players do the rest. Needless to say, it was the mid-prices that shone through as they bucked the Guns and Rookies strategy and posted some unreal scores But can we trust them after just one game? There was the return of the Rock, who defied all those who doubted him, while the potential new king on the fantasy throne was a giant during Sunday against a limp Essendon outfit. My name is Miggs, and this is the Round 1 FanPod40.com AFL Fantasy Wrap. Okay, so I'm going to start off with the FanPod40.com team wrap, first of all. And it was a bit of an average round, probably below average round for us, and ended up with a score of 2,083. So I was happy just to get over the top of the 2,000 mark there, going into the last game on Sunday. Bailey Scott got us over the line there. That ended up with... uh, or gave us a ranking of 17,556. Again, middle of the rank, probably not as good as what we were expecting. And that was with Angus Brayshaw as captain as well. So he had 100 even and was a popular choice in most teams, maybe not as the captain. However, it could have been worse, could have ended up going with Grundy. So I was happy for my first captain choice of the year to at least turn up. My plus three and minus threes for the weekend. Uh, Plus three has to go to Tom Rockliffe. Ended up getting him in the team with 166. Uh, Another plus three, Tim Taranto on 137. He did what he showed us in the JLT and uh, broke through there and gave us a big ton. And my third one, I ended up getting uh, Warple into the team at my F4 in place of Nunes. Nunes wasn't too bad either, though, on the weekend. uh, And Warple ended up with 101. So he ended up playing quite a lot of mid-time, which was great. He was named in the midfield on the weekend, which sort of swayed me towards getting him in there at uh, F4 instead of Nunes. Uh, Simply being named there as a follower, I thought, why not? Um, We'll go with him. Uh, However, my 3s, for the weekend has to go to the Grundy Gorn combo who let a lot of fantasy coaches down on the weekend. They had a combined 152 fantasy points and were both really shaky. Both looked a bit underdone um, and obviously coming out um, after the game, the tactics um, that uh, Gorn had against him on the weekend, he is apparently getting bullied, etc., um, by the Port Adelaide team. But, Really, we're going to look for him to bounce back hopefully this weekend coming up. And look, Grundy probably, we could have seen that coming. However, remember he did post a sub 100 score in the first round last year, and we all know what he did after that. So keep the faith, coaches, with him. Uh, My next minus three would have to go to Sam Collins. He ended up with a score of just 21 as my uh, fifth defender, look, I was a little bit worried about him, um, especially I think at half-time he was on six, or midway through the second he was on six, so knew he was in for a dirty day um, after all, so he gets my other minus three, and he'll be on the chopping block this week, I'm on the lookout for a decent uh, defender in the uh, in the number five position. And my last minus three would have to go to, and this is probably a little bit harsh, but Dunkley and, and Dustin Martin are probably on an even ledger there. 79 and 81, uh, respectively, they, they scored on the weekend. And, look, even though I think, I think Dunkley probably gets, gets away with it just because he's a forward, but Dustin Martin, he gave away five free kicks on the weekend, And that equates to 15 fantasy points. So he could have scored quite easily in the 90s there. And although he he looked okay, he wasn't his normal explosive self. But he did end up playing a a little bit of uh, forward time there in the second half. He was mainly pure mid, basically, uh, in the first half uh, all the way through. And then he got pushed forward for a little while as well. So that was a bit of a worry there. He got named at full forward, but he, he started in the guts. So... I don't know how often that's going to keep on happening, but it is a slight worry, slight concern with him. So we'll see if he uh, lasts this week. And uh, looking back now, in hindsight, my round one regrets at the moment. I don't have too many. I think overall there was some good selections there. Um, It could have definitely been worse. But uh, my D5 position, as I just mentioned, uh, that's a bit of a regret at the moment look, uh, Jordan Clark from Geelong was the other option there, which a lot of coaches went with. And, you know, he scored 60. So most of the, most weeks you're going to expect uh, Collins to score at least 50 to 60 points anyway. I think, you know, I think 21 is <laughs> probably his basement, I'm hoping. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely not good enough. So... I think that's going to be a bit of an issue for a lot of fantasy coaches and we're going to try and upgrade that position as quickly as possible, I think. And my other regret was uh, having no Parker or Schultz in the forward line. Schultz you can probably get away with because he was a he was a late in, or not a late in, but um, he was one that wasn't on the radar for a long time there until um, the day before the match, or day before the, the teams got announced, he sort of uh, came into the into the team there, but um, not having Parker, I just didn't have that spare uh, 8,000 that I was willing to part with at the time. And, you know, he he definitely surprised us all uh, in that first quarter in particular. I think he had 33 or something in the first quarter. So he ended up with 84 at the end of the game and he uh, spiked up nicely um, as a cash cow. But, um, yeah, I, whether I get them in this week or not. We'll uh, we'll have to see. Moving on to some break-evens now, and I'm going to start with the top five negative break-evens first of all, and at number one with a break-even of negative 20 is Bailey Scott from the Kangaroos, and he looked absolutely superb on the weekend. He was racking them up all over the place, and he played a really nice fantasy position, so... He was sort of floating anywhere between the wing and he was going all the way down to half back as well. They've given him a bit of freedom, I think, and he definitely embraced his first game. He was doing a lot of the right things, and I think his position in the team at the moment, especially the way North Melbourne's shaping up for this season, is looking really, really, really strong, his job security. So if you haven't got him, make him um, a definite target this week uh, if you didn't get him in the midfield. Uh, the second one there, second highest uh, break even is uh, is Willem Drew from Port Adelaide. He's got a negative 14. A lot of coaches had him down the forward line. You can have him as a mid or a forward. Um, and a lot of coaches started with him on the ground as well. So he's one to get in if you don't have him. Charlie Constable was really solid. Um, scored in the 80s and he has a negative 12 break even. So all these guys are going to be making us great money. Um, and then you've got Schultz and Parker as well. So Schultz negative 12 and Parker negative 11. If you don't have one of those five blokes in there, try and get most of them in this week as a, as a trade option because these guys are going to be generating a lot of cash over the next few weeks. The top five positive break-evens now. So these guys are the ones with uh, the huge break-evens. And number one... We've got Grundy on 155 so he's looking likely he's going to come down in price a little bit for the next couple of weeks at least, along with uh, number two there, Maxi Gorn on 150 He's not too far behind. A lot of people are talking about trading those two out. I'm not at the moment, uh, just based purely on obviously what they've done in the past and how they shaped up in round one last year. So I think, yeah, the the tactics that were used on Gorn on the weekend contributed a lot to his score, and Grundy looked slightly un, underdone. So hopefully they can both bounce back this week. They are going to probably drop a considerable amount of cash. Is it worth going to another Ruckman like Witts or Sinclair? I'm not so sure yet. I think we've got to at least wait two or three rounds to see how they're going at the moment. Uh, the third highest break even there at the moment is McRae. 146. Look, he's a keeper, so you don't have to worry uh, at all with him, uh, whatever his break even is. But just keep in mind, he's probably going to come down in price a little bit over the next couple of weeks. And number four, Zach Merritt, who got tagged heavily on the weekend uh, by DeBoer. and he's got a 144 break even at the moment. So he's another one that could come down and he was already relatively cheap before the start of the season anyway so could be picking him up uh, sub 700k uh, at the moment and uh, the last one there number five uh, Oliver he's got a, a 143 break even as well so he struggled a little bit on the weekend and he could be a nice one to pick up in the coming weeks although Oliver's one of those players I think it was this week actually, um, I'll talk talk about it a little bit later, he's playing one of his, his favourite teams coming up when I talk about the, uh, the captain options a bit later. So yeah, those five blokes, keep an eye on them, see if uh, their price comes down a little bit more if you've got them on your radar. News from the twos. We're going to be talking a little bit now about some of the players who played pretty well in the seconds on the weekend. And... Perhaps they're a chance to come in for the second round. And the first one I want to talk about is Darcy Fort, uh, who's very fantasy relevant at the moment because he's on the bench for a lot of uh, coaches and we want him to be playing and making us money. So he booted three goals along uh, on the weekend. And the other one as well is Zach Smith, who made his uh, return from injury there. he's He's had a knee injury over the pre-season and he managed to kick a goal and he also had 19 hit outs on the weekend so although probably not round two uh because Rhys Stanley was really good on the weekend uh for Geelong but good form if they keep it consistent you know you never know one of those two are probably going to come in we're hoping it's uh the former with Darcy Fort so he can make us some money at least they're playing well um Shane Mumford is the other one I want to talk about, so he's obviously still suspended at the moment, but he's been dominating in the NEFL uh, over the last couple of weeks, so keep an eye out for him, especially uh, perhaps if you do want to take the plunge on Grundy or Max Gorn, um, if they're going to keep coming down in price, maybe Mumford could be an option, but uh, Dawson Simpson's pretty good on the weekend, I doubt, even if Mumford was available, that uh, they'd bring him in, so... Um, yeah, I think uh, Simpson's safe for now. Uh, Kate Colin jasney uh, got heaps of the ball. That was his first hit out um, of the preseason. So he had that uh, adductor injury, um, which was uh, after, after Christmas there. So it's nice to see him back. And, you know, he's a potential player who could average in the high 80s. Uh, early 90s. So he could be an option down the track and he is underpriced uh, in defense at the moment. However, you know, looking at the Melbourne team down back um, right now, it could affect someone like a Marty Hoare, okay, if he's going to stick around for a little while. But you'd expect Colin Jasney to play at least, you know, a couple more games before he's considered for the ones. Uh, The other one there is Hamish Hartlett. He came back from that knee reconstruction on the weekend that uh, that he had there he had a, a practice game uh, against Adelaide Friday night uh, had 19 touches and six marks played across half back so although you know he's in that awkward price range as a defender uh, I guess the thing you'd look out for him as well is he going to take someone's spot and you've got those four Port Adelaide rookies there is probably the one we'd worry about the most is he going to take his spot again probably you know a couple of games two to three games away from being in the ones and especially the way Port Adelaide's played on the played on the weekend um they'll they won't be rushing him anytime soon they'll probably want to get a lot of match fitness into him before he's considered uh Brandon Ellis racked up 40 touches in the twos so he'll be dirty that he wasn't picked in round one but you know, forty touches isn't gonna to do uh any harm there. Um look, at, at his best, this is a bloke who can average in the nineties. So you know, I'm not not sure for for whatever reason. I think, you know, with his role switching over the last couple of years between half back and the wing, I think his best position is still the wing. He's got a huge tank on him, but look, he'll he'll dominate in the twos for as long as you like, basically, purely based because he's got a superior uh, endurance over all those all those blokes. So, you know he's probably looking for someone maybe an injury or or something like that to to bob up because you know obviously that Tigers outfit is pretty strong uh, at the moment. But if he keeps on doing that, they're not going to be able to um to look over him too much longer. Um, Blake Akers is another one who's fantasy relevant, and he ended up with twenty seven touches in the twos, kicked a goal. And um, he, he can, well, he's coming back from that back injury that he had over the preseason. Um, look, I think, you know, St Kilda, they've got a lot of players like him and uh, they've got, you know, another one, Hunter Clark as well, who played well on the weekend apparently. So they've got a few blokes who are those, uh, those endurance-type midfielders who can play on the wing, play on a half-forward flank. So as long as those guys are still up and about in the ones, it's going to be hard for him to push back into the team, into the, into the best 22. But, you know, at the same time, um, you know, he's he's definitely a, a player who can average in the 90s fantasy-wise. So um, just look out for him. And uh, Darcy Cameron, returned from injury, is another popular one that's been uh, on a lot of fantasy coaches' benches. So it's good to see he's playing again and hopefully can push his case uh, in the coming rounds to maybe partner up with with Sinclair there in the ruck and a forward role because um, it's looking like Naismith is going to be out for a little longer than expected. So I wouldn't expect Naismith to be playing until sort of round 6-7 at the moment, and even then he's going to have to get some match fitness into him. So you might expect a, maybe a post-buy round or somewhere around the buy rounds for Naismith at the earliest. So if, if they choose to go with Darcy Cameron, then, yeah, it might be earlier than expected. So that's good news for those coaches with him on the bench. And the last one I want to talk about is uh, Will Hayes of the Bulldogs there. He uh, ended up racking up 28 touches uh, on the weekend, and um, he uh, kicked a goal as well. So he's um, he was borderline uh, making the Bulldogs... Uh, team in round one there. So, you know, they did have a win a win on the weekend. I'm not sure how much they're going to uh, play around with the team there. And I don't think there were any injuries to come out of that game from memory. So he might have to bide his time a little bit longer in the twos. Uh, but yeah, you never know. He's a, he's a 170k option there in the midfield. We probably want him to hold off for a little bit longer. So he could uh, potentially be a, a downgrade option, a really good uh, downgrade option in our midfields uh, once our other midfielders have uh, have fattened up a little bit in terms of cash production. So next I want to move into some of the rookie moves and also the pod watch, which is our point of difference players and see which uh, players are, or were in hot form over the weekend and who also have a really low ownership price So I want to start off, first of all, with uh, the rookies on the weekend. So Bailey Scott is uh, top of the list there. He scored 97. Job security, as I I mentioned earlier, is really strong, along with Willem Drew, who ended up with 86. Lockie Schultz on 83. Look, that move surprised me a little bit um, from Lyon in terms of putting him in the team because they played it with Ballantyne. Matera's out at the moment, so as long as, I guess, he's playing that sort of footy probably holds material out of the team for the time being. So um, his spot's probably safe at the moment um, as long as he keeps that production up. He scored 83. Uh, Matty Parker, I think he's probably one of the safer ones uh, at, at St Kilda there. He also finished up uh, with 83 fantasy points. Charlie Constable, he played basically the role that I thought he would uh, during the preseason and then going into round one where he was, uh, mainly giving time to the midfielders or the number one midfielders there coming off the bench a lot, and he was solid with a score of 82. So, last of all, you've got the uh, the Port Adelaide boys. So, you've also got Dersmer, uh Butters, Rosie. All those blokes are pretty solid at the moment. Keeping in mind, there's still a couple to come back for Port Adelaide. So, yeah, blokes like Hamish Hartlett, as I mentioned before, he's still maybe two or three weeks away. Um, from coming back into the team. Jordan Clark and also uh, Sam Walsh was absolutely brilliant on the weekend. So they're probably your main bunch of rookies at the moment. And if you don't have these blokes in the team for for the moment, try and work them into your team somehow over this round or next round, trying to fix up your team that way. Um, the point of different players that I want to have a quick look at is... Uh, So these blokes are the guys with uh, low ownership. Usually I'm looking 5% and under, but I'm going to make an exception with my first one. Uh, The first one was Sloan. So I think a few coaches were put off uh, at the fact that they might have had, well, most coaches had Brad Crouch, and a lot of coaches also had Matty Crouch in there as well. So packing your midfield with three crows was a bit of a no-no. But on the weekend, we saw that it definitely can work. He ended up with a score of 144 uh, fantasy points and he's on 8% ownership at the moment. So I'd expect potentially that to rise to over 10% now with uh, some coaches looking to downgrade a couple of blokes and switch some in the midfield potentially if they've got nothing else to do in their teams. So uh, he is a nice option. He's looking good at the moment and he does have that high ceiling as well. Uh, the next one there at 3% ownership is Boak down in the forward line. A lot of coaches took the risk with him. He played; he did play as a pure midfielder on the weekend, and he racked up 144 points as well. So he looked really good. Um, I think he cracked the ton before the fourth quarter there. So liking him as an option, and I'm liking the way Port Adelaide are using him at the moment. Don't be afraid to pick him up. Uh Pelly 128, 2% ownership. So he played a lot more through the midfield uh, on the weekend rather than that forward role. We did see a couple of stints down forward, probably similar to what Martin's been doing, but uh, he was a lot more effective. So he's in just 2% teams at the moment. Christian Salem, 128 as well. And he's in only 1% of teams at the moment. He was one I mentioned in some of the preseason podcasts that we put out there as a potential uh, point of difference. And he does have that ability to go 110, 120 plus, but he also has the ability to stink it up as well. So I think he's a bit of a watch, wait, and see player at the moment, but he would definitely be a nice point of difference there. And uh, my second last one is Braden Fiorini. He's in actually less than 1% at the moment. So he ended up with 114, and he did exactly what he did in the JLT. carried that form over. He filled the stat sheet. He was taking marks. He was getting tackles, basically doing what he wanted through the midfield. I think he's got a bit of a license to roam and do what he likes, um, compared to in previous seasons where he might have cocked uh, a tagging role from the coach as he's learning the uh, the midfield trade there. But, yeah, he was free to roam around, basically, and... Look, he's looking like a real breakout option uh, alongside uh, Taranto this year. So don't be afraid to pick him up as a nice point of difference in the midfield. If you must, he's still under 700k at the moment. And my last one there. Now, this guy's basically safe as houses at the moment. And I think the reason why a lot of people don't pick him is because they go for McRae. But Lockie Hunter has been as solid as anyone over the past... Twelve to fourteen months, really. He's in one percent of teams as well at the moment, and he racked up one hundred and twelve easily on the weekend. He just—he really does do it with ease. I think he's a second or third thought to most opposition coaches. Uh, while they're thinking about Bontempelli, while they're thinking about McRae, you know, he just floats around, and he does do a lot of waxing with McRae between each other. I reckon they do look look out for each other. Um A lot of the time out there, so he's a really nice option as well. If you want someone who can consistently go between a hundred to a hundred and fifteen each week, he's probably your man. Okay, we're going to get into a little bit of trade talk now, and look, after round one, I have a few rules in place for my team that I usually like to abide by. Over the years, you sort of get an idea of what to do and what not to do. But uh, basically, you want to only trade out if they're injured. So if a player is in your team and, look, they didn't have the best game, but they're still tracking along okay, if you've got any injuries, obviously sort those out first. Then look to get the right rookies in. So if you missed out you know, on a park or a Schultz so these guys who I mentioned before who have those uh, really low break evens, uh, those guys are the ones we should be looking for in these early rounds. While they are still low, got a low price and they're still going to generate a lot of cash, we're going to try and get those in, first of all. So look for your injured players, first of all. There wasn't too many injuries or fantasy-related injuries, which was really nice over the weekend for round one. Um, but now we're looking at getting those uh, low-break-even rookies in. Fixing up any major concerns in your team. So maybe... Look, maybe you've picked a bit of a, not not so much an average team, but a team that maybe doesn't have a lot of players with high ceilings in them. And I'm, I'm talking about captain options here. So uh, I know personally in my team, Brayshaw is probably my one uh, captain move that I had aside from Grundy. And Grundy's not working at the moment. So, look, I might look to uh, perhaps... Bring in another captain option into my team this week as well. So, um, yeah, if if there's if there's somebody there who you can't go to as your second captain option, remembering you know we haven't got the go-to Tom Mitchell anymore, so it, it makes things interesting now for captains. You know, fix something like like that up in your team, um, and also back your primos. So for at least for the first three rounds, get a good look at your your premium players. Your, you picked him in for a reason. You, you got him in there. So try and back them in for the first three rounds. I know it's hard if they're not performing and their price is plummeting. But, you know, you got to think long term. Are these guys going be, to be some of the top scorers at the end of the season? Yeah, probably. Then, yeah, you probably keep them in. Uh, I've done a similar thing with Menegola, for example, last year when he stunk it up in the first couple. I think it was round three, traded him out. He went nuts so and he was definitely a, a top forward last year so learning from those mistakes um, you know three rounds is enough of a look at them to if they're not performing after three rounds then psh, you can get them out my early trade uh, thoughts for the fanpod40.com team I'm looking at uh, Sam Collins so that d5 position potentially getting him out. Not sure which way I'm going to go at the moment in terms of going down or going up, trying to get some, I just need someone in there with solid scoring ability. Looking at Clark, uh, which everybody else has, but potentially also looking at uh, Ridley. So he looked all right on the weekend, Ridley. I think it was more so the fact that they got absolutely hammered Essendon that uh, he didn't have a show in there. I think he'll be better at the MCG. I think that suits him a bit better, where he was really good in the JLT games. Um. So, yeah, looking at Sam Collins, also potentially uh, looking at trying to get one of either Parker or Schultz in to try and generate that cash in the forward line. At the moment, I've got Bolter and Petricelli. So, you know, depending on what, they, what Richmond ends up doing with Bolter, whether he takes Rance's spot, that would be great. Trying to get in some more job security, but we'll see what happens when teams come out this week. Dustin Martin, I was tossing up with as well. Uh he could potentially come out, um, maybe downgrade option and but that would maybe requ- require a, a restructure in the midfield potentially if I wanted to uh go down uh that that path could potentially then upgrade Sam Collins to to maybe a premium uh defender. So Have a look at those options, but uh, mainly targeting low break evens at the moment. Going to step into some captain options next for round two. So early captain options that I'm thinking of, first of all, I'll start uh, with number five. We'll do a top five. So number five, I've got Trelaw at the moment, and he's got a 107 average versus Richmond. So I like the looks of him. And at the MCG, he averages averages 106 at that venue, so he's going to slot into my number five captain option there. And he was also awesome on the weekend. I think he ended up with about 125, 128. Uh, number four, I like Nat Fife. Uh, he came good in the in the second half there. He looked injured for a little while there, but he uh, he played the game out. So I think he's fine. Um, he's in my fourth position now. He averages 122. Uh, against Gold Coast, so they haven't really got anybody who can go with him. And he also averages at Metricon Stadium, so that's an away game for him, but he averages 119 at Metricon, so he's a really nice option there if you've got him in the team. At number three, uh, Clay Oliver, and this is what I was talking about before. If you've got him in the team, hold him for this week at least because he's got a 120 average against Geelong. He loves the in-and-under stuff against those hard... Uh, Geelong midfielders. I think he lifts his level to uh, to uh, try and combat the blokes like Dangerfield, Selwood, all those contested ball winners. He loves the challenge, so I think that's why he steps it up against Geelong. And he's also got a 136 average at Skilled Stadium. So yeah, if you've got him, keep him this week. He should be good. Uh, number two position, I still like the looks of McCrae for number two. He's only got a 91 average against Hawthorne, but Hawthorne I see as one of those teams in the midfield. For some reason, midfielders against Hawthorne always seem to do really well. And you saw what Adelaide did against them on the weekend. Um, it was Both Crouch brothers turned up. Rory Sloan had a huge ton as well. Um, even Atkins, uh, I think, got a 90-something also. So all those... Uh, Adelaide midfield has played really well. I, Liam Shields didn't really tag at all over the weekend. He was trying to win his own ball. And the other thing, McRae, he's got a 118 average against, um, at the MCG. Sorry. So he plays really well at the MCG. I think he'll go well this week against the Hawks. Uh, lock him in there. And my number one is uh, Tommy Rockliffe. He has a 119 average against Carlton. Now, Carlton, as good as their young fellas are looking at the moment... Um, I think Rockliff will go all out on these guys. He's playing that pure midfielder role. He didn't really roam forward too much on the weekend, and I can see him going a one twenty plus at the very least uh, against Carlton this week. He has a ninety five point four average at um, at the Adelaide Oval there as well. So, and that probably would have been mostly in his in his Brisbane days. Those those averages, I'm assuming. So, I've got uh, Tommy Rockliffe. Locked in at number one, and he'll probably be my captain this week. Okay, before we finish up, I've got a couple of questions that have come through on Twitter. So we're going to do a Twitter talk segment here. And the first question there I had is, should I downgrade Grundy to Wits or Goldie and pick him up when he looks fit at a cheaper price? Now, as I mentioned earlier, Um, I personally am going to stick uh, with Grundy and Gorn for that matter. Um, I think with our premiums, you have to give him those three rounds at the start of the year. And basically, if you look at his first game last year, he was underdone um, and then came, came good, as we all know. Look, he still scored 83 on the weekend and, you know, he... You barely saw him around the ground, really. So for him to score that um, tells us that there's a lot of room there for improvement. If you did want to trade down, I think at the moment Wits is the best option. Um, Goldie started like a house on fire against uh, Frio on the weekend or uh, yesterday there. But um, he was only opposed to Sean Darcy for most of the game. Um, Rory logged for a little bit. And I would have expected him to turn up, really. I mean, I know they got pumped, but Goldie should have really dominated a lot more. He, he faded out of the game pretty badly in the second half. So Witts was solid the whole way through. Um, and I saw Witts uh, taking a couple of marks through the middle of the ground there as well, which um, I wanted to see him doing a little bit more often in games, getting those plus sixes. So I do like the look of Wits if you want to go down that path. Uh, probably wits over Steph Martin as well, if you're looking at Steph. Um, but my my strategy there would be to keep Grundy for the moment and uh, just wait and see how he goes. Um, the second question is, is Dom Sheed worth trading in? <sighs> Look, I was against it uh, during the JLT purely based on the fact that he doesn't lay too many tackles at all. But you know when you're getting the ball that often it's pretty hard to tackle so he was he looked really good against Brisbane on the weekend and that and that was in a losing team in an away game so what you want to see is that JLT form get carried into a real game and that's what he's done here and look i, I think based at his price at the moment i think he's still under 600k just just thinking back um, look, he's he's a real option if you want to go. If you're not happy with with like a Dustin Martin or someone like that, and not happy with his role, what he's doing at Richmond, Dom Sheet is a real possibility. And you're probably wanting to get him in within the first round or two because his break even is pretty low, and he's going to skyrocket if he if he has another game like he did on the weekend. Um, it's going to be hard to to justify getting him in at that inflated price. So. Yeah, look, he's still probably the third tagging option at at West Coast. So you you've probably got Shuey first, uh, Yo second, uh, oh, and then you got Gaff when he comes back in. So yeah, it might be interesting to see when Gaff does come back in how Sheed goes. Might be worth waiting till then to see if his role changes at all. So yeah, but he is down the pecking order in terms of getting tagged. Um. Yeah, look, if you like him that much, go for it. But I don't know. I is, is he is he a is he a top eight midfielder at the, at the end of the season? Is it is it is it a case of you know you're getting him in as a stepping stone and then you know waiting to trade trade him again? So it's, it's two trades to get him up to a to a premium, or do you or do you sit out and wait on a bloke like like a Dustin Martin? You know and then and then you know dusty could be a could be a keeper down the track if he finds form so it, look it's a tough one, and i think um throwing gaff into the mix there, just thinking of that um does make the option a little bit harder but look if you think maybe maybe if he's a top maybe if he's a top ten or twelve mid by the end of the year you could probably you could probably justify trading him in if if you think he's gonna be that um I had him penciled in for about a 98 average this year. Um, look, because he can, he can have those games where he goes, you know, sub 70s or sub 80s. Um, so, yeah, it might be worth waiting another week, or or waiting until till uh, you see him with with Gaff in the team, perhaps. And that's round one all wrapped up. Thanks for listening in, guys, and I hope you got something out of our first round review. Along with the wrap, we also update the website on a weekly basis and have put up the post-round one power rankings, along with some break-evens that I just mentioned, inform pod players as well, and also our top five captain selections for the upcoming round. Go and have a gander at fanpod40.com, where you can check out all our other podcasts through the season as well. If you have any fantasy-related questions through the week, you can hit us up on Twitter with the handle at FanPod40, and we will be happy to answer those questions on the next episode of the podcast. Best of luck for round two. Remember, it's not panic, sa- panic stations just yet. It's all about fixing those few mistakes and getting the right rookies in to keep generating that cash in the early rounds of the season. Thanks again, guys, and we'll catch you next Monday. We'll